How's it going, Longhorn Nation? Welcome to Texas Talk, your one-stop shop for everything involving Texas Longhorns football. I'm your host, Ryan McLoon. We are recording on Thursday, August 31st, and today we will be talking about Texas's week one game against the Rice Owls. Welcome to game week. It feels so, so good to say that finally. Before we get into it, though, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you're listening. Also, tell your friends and family about us. After that, make sure to check out our website, texas-talk.com. On the website, you'll be able to find the Longhorns' updated roster, depth chart, the 2023 recruiting class, transfer portal additions and departures, any trending news, plus our analysis on the team. So be sure to check that out. The link to the website will be in the description. All right, let's get into it and talk about Rice versus Texas. Looking at this Rice roster, it should come as no surprise to anybody that it's not all that talented. There's not a whole lot of names that Longhorn fans are going to know that I personally even don't know much about. Two guys, though, that kind of caught my eye. Number one, we talked about it when we talked about Rice months ago, but JT Daniels, graduate transfer, started his career at USC, came in hot, came in as a starting true freshman. Incredibly, incredibly impressive for a blue blood program like USC. Things didn't go his way with injuries and you know, coaching and everything else. Um, So he transfers out of there, but he still goes to another great program, and that's in Georgia. Uh, He goes to Georgia. Everybody presumes that he's just going to be that starting quarterback at Georgia. And this is a Georgia team that people thought were going to be really, really good. They weren't the Georgia that they are now constant national title contenders, but they were, they were close. They were on the cusp of that. And, People thought that JT Daniels might be the quarterback to kind of push them over the edge. Again, just didn't happen. I don't know if this one was injuries or what happened in Georgia, but fact of the matter is Stetson Bennett, un, uh, unrecruited, um, walk-on quarterback, just beats out JT Daniels for the starting spot at Georgia. Obviously, obviously, we all know how that goes. Stetson Bennett goes on to win two national championships for Georgia. Um, JT Daniels then transfers again to West Virginia. Um, plays at West Virginia, you know, varying results. Uh, not all great, but after that, he transfers again, and now he is at Rice. So this is four schools. Um, for JT Daniels now, I'm not sure what the timeline looks like there, but it's been a long road for JT Daniels. And at this point, I feel like he's a guy who you can't really count out. I think he's still pretty talented. Obviously, like I said, it hasn't worked out for him in the power five level, but maybe at Rice, he kind of finds something and NFL teams might still see that talent as something that they want a piece of. And with it being JT Daniels last year in college, he knows that he has to perform specifically this week against a really talented Texas team. 
maybe the most talented team Rice will play this entire year. So expect to get JT Daniels' best. Um, the second guy that kind of caught my eye is Luke McCaffrey. Um, Christian McCaffrey's brother, uh, Fran McCaffrey's son, obviously. Former quarterback at Nebraska, moved over to the wide receiver position, has been at Rice now for two or three years. Um, again, just another name that I thought was pretty interesting. Like I said, formerly at Nebraska, I almost want to say that he committed to Michigan and maybe didn't even play it down for them before uh, moving to Nebraska, but I could be wrong on that. I'm just kind of going off the brain here. Either way, though, Luke McCaffrey, uh, you have to assume that he's an incredible athlete. To go from quarterback to, to wide receiver, being related to Christian McCaffrey and Fran McCaffrey, um, just definitely something to note there. Also, talking about this Rice team, the offensive line, they keep both their bookend tackles, but the entire interior is new for the Rice Owls. So they bring in two transfers and Brant Banks, who uh, is from Nebraska as well. This is his first year at Rice, however, and Lavelle Dumont, who was at Tulsa and is now a graduate transfer for the Owls. Overall, though, this Texas defense should be able to smother Rice. Like I said, the bookends are still there for Rice, but they weren't all that good last year. Obviously, at a place like Rice, you assume that they're going to get a lot better. Um, but even if they do, year in and year out, Texas has the horses to kind of stop this offensive line in their tracks and not get a whole lot of movement up front. And the interior, same thing. Although you're getting a, a former Power 5 player in Brent Banks, I don't know. I just feel like Texas should be able to kind of bully this uh, Rice offensive line. What I'm interested to see, though, is how Pete Kwiatkowski and Steve Sarkeesian rotate. And I'm sure Bo Davis will be a part of this, and Terry Joseph will as well. But how they rotate uh, this defense in and out uh, consistently. Because in Austin, it's supposed to be over 100 degrees on Saturday around 2 o'clock. So it's going to be incredibly hot. The sun is going to be beating down on the field. I can't even imagine how hot it's going to feel for the players. Um, so they're going to need to rotate every single position pretty consistently. And it's good that it's against a team like Rice where you're two deep and almost three deep should be more talented than Rice just anyways. But I'm just interested to see on how they kind of deploy these rotations. In my opinion, I hope that they keep the ones with the ones rotate in the twos with the twos and so forth and so on. You might only want to go too deep in this instance until you get late in the game and you feel like you have a good handle on actually closing this one out and winning it. Until then, I want to only see the one deep and then the two deep as well. So the reason I kind of want to keep them with the ones with the ones and the twos with the twos is just continuity, consistency, um, unless they're going to be doing this all season long, 
I just want the linebackers and the defensive linemen to play at the same time, you know, just kind of know each other, get a feel for how each of them react to each play. On an inside zone play, maybe Byron Murphy plays it differently than our backup nose tackle. Say it's Deer Mitchell. I'm just throwing out names right now. But say Byron Murphy plays it different than Sadir Mitchell. You want Jalen Ford to know how Byron Murphy is going to play it. And if he doesn't know how Sadir Mitchell plays it, maybe you get away with that um, a little bit more. But you want him to know how Byron Murphy plays it for that Week 2 game against Alabama. So small things like that. That is one little microscopic um, instance in a Every single, you know, football play is different. And the point being is you want the guys playing next to the guys to know how they're going to play each predicament that they enter into. So that's kind of my two cents on it, but we will definitely be seeing rotations one way or the other. And I'm sure there's positives to having the ones and the twos play side by side as well. So definitely don't think that that is the only way they should play it, but those that was just kind of, my two cents there. As for the Rice defense, none of these names really uh, kind of stuck out to me in any way, shape, or form. Um, Texas, offensively though, I want them to really lean on deep passing, intermediate passing, and then running the ball down uh, Rice's throat. So deep passing, I feel like their first few plays of the game should just be over 10 yards because we need Quinn Ewers, we need A.D. Mitchell, uh, Xavier Worthy, Jonte Cook, Isaiah Nair, Jordan Whittington, Jatavian Sanders. We need them to all be on the same page as well. We need that deep passing timing to be down pat. And at the end of the day, you're playing Rice, so you assume that your wide receivers are going to win their matchups, right? But it almost doesn't matter how open somebody is if Quinn Ewers passes the ball on time and right into the bucket. It doesn't matter if the defender is one step behind the wide receiver or if the defender is 10 steps behind the wide receiver. Obviously, 10 steps, you have a little room for error, but if it's a perfect pass at the end of the day, it's a perfect pass. So that is what I want to see from Quinn Ewers. I almost don't even care what the stats say. If Quinn is throwing it accurately, and by accurately, I mean not completion percentage-wise, but like I said, in the bucket, in stride, which is something that we didn't see a whole lot of last year on deep passing. If we see that against Rice, where the wide receivers aren't slowing down or aren't getting this deep, I am going to feel really, really good about Quinn going into the rest of the season, but... I feel like that's something that we want to see immediately. And maybe conversely, Steve Sarkeesian doesn't want to show that um, for competitive advantage reasons um, going into Alabama next week. But I think getting that timing down specifically with A.D. Mitchell and Jonte Cook, because those are the two new guys coming in, to get that timing down I think is really, really important for Quinn Ewers and the rest of this Texas offense. As for the offensive line, looks like we're going to see all new fa- or all of the same faces except for DJ Campbell 
is going to win that right guard spot, and he's going to be our starting right guard. That is kind of how I saw it playing out. Honestly, I did want to shout out Nito Umiazulu because I think he is definitely Texas's sixth best offensive lineman on the team. I think he could start at left guard immediately if they needed him to. Um, on the Texas Talk depth chart, I have him at left tackle. That's only because if worst case scenario, if Kelvin Banks needs a needs a breather or whatever the case may be, I think Nito is still your best um, left tackle. But I do think that if he were to start this year, his his big his best chance would be at left guard. So, just depending on how it plays out, I could see Nito playing either of those two positions, and he honestly could probably play all five if he really had to. But that's just kind of my thoughts on the offensive line. That's another position where we're definitely going to be seeing rotations a ton. Um, And this is another one where I would much rather just see the first team offensive line play first two drives, first three drives, depending on how, how Steve Sarkeesian feels about uh, about how they're kind of playing, and then bring in the second team. We have an incredible offensive line. Maybe we're not super strong on the two deep every single position, but we should be strong enough to deploy five full different offensive linemen uh, in a series or two and still be pretty competitive with a team like Rice. I don't think you can do that in Big 12 play or against Alabama. But I think against Rice, we should be able to start true freshmen, or excuse me, not start, but play significant minutes, true freshmen like um, Trevor Gusby or whoever wins that those backup two deep jobs, whether it's Malik Agbo, who's a second-year player, and Nito Umiazulu, Cole Hudson. <clears throat> excuse me, let me get a drink of water here. Thank you for your patience. Whether that be Cole Hudson, Connor Robertson, Leek Agbo, Cam Williams, Nito, Umiazulu, like I said, that's already five sophomores coming in. So I think Texas is plenty deep at the offensive line spot where they can afford to just deploy one full rotation every other uh, drive or, or however Steve Sarkeesian decides to play it. But Really, really interesting to see how this Texas team plays because against Alabama, thinking about it more and more, and this Alabama game is going to be incredibly, incredibly tough for a whole bunch of reasons. We talked about how they're losing a lot in their left tackle, their left guard, right guard, their tight end, who was a great blocker in Latu and a good pass catcher. They were losing their running back, Jameer Gibbs, their superstar quarterback, and Bryce Young. But this Alabama offensive line is still going to be incredibly good. I think the only spot that's a true question mark is their uh, freshman left tackle, Caden Proctor. And Caden Proctor, five-star true freshman. Texas fans can't be biased because last year, Kelvin Banks five-star true freshman and was absolutely dominant uh, in Big 12 play and even against Alabama 
in Will Anderson, in Dallas Turner. So I wouldn't be shocked if Caden Proctor was just really, really good off the bat, and especially as a run blocker, which I think Alabama is going to major in this season. It sounds like Jalen Milrow is going to win that job. Between Jalen Milrow, Jam, uh, Jam Miller, Jace McClellan, Emmanuel Henderson, um, I think they, those guys just running the ball. Alabama's going to major in running the ball. Jalen Milrow, maybe he can throw it, um, you know, a little bit, but I think it's going to be old time Alabama where they beat you with defense and running the ball. And I just think this Texas team needs to be ready for that. They need to be tough. They need to be able to push Alabama at the line of scrimmage, which is going to be incredibly tough when they got guys like Jaheim Otis coming back for his sophomore year was incredible. His freshman year is just a run stuffing nose tackle. But in his sophomore year, you assume he just takes another step forward than that. I, I just feel like this Alabama team is going to be a tough test for Texas and kind of like your classic, when you think of SEC football, I think you're going to think about this Alabama team and maybe not SEC football anymore, but like early 2010s SEC football, that's what this Alabama team is going back to. So going to be really good test for Texas in week two. And I just feel like Rice is just kind of the the appetizer to that. They're going to have to play Rice as if they're going to play Alabama, um, which kind of sounds dumb now that I'm saying it out loud. But if you get my point, Texas is going to have to stop Rice's run game, and they're going to have to run the ball up the middle, and they're going to have to get pressure or get push on the offensive line because – it's going to be a hell of a lot harder against Alabama in week two. So if we see it week one against Rice, I think we're going to be, you know, feeling pretty good about walking into week two in Tuscaloosa. Um, that's kind of all I have. Like I said, I didn't have a whole lot of notes on this Rice game, but I think mostly what we want to see is things that translate in that Quinn Ewers with the deep ball connecting to the wide receivers the defense just playing, you know, covered sound. You don't want to see any busted plays or anything like that. You want to see a heavy rotation of the two deep almost everywhere on the team. Um, Quinn Ewers will likely be playing every single snap until Texas is up by a comfortable margin. Then we might see Malik and Arch Manning. Um, they're still almost battling it out for the second string job. So I hope we do see a decent amount of Malik and Arch. So I kind of hope that Steve Sarkeesian kind of puts the, you know, pedal to the metal here in week one. I hope Texas gets off to a really hot start in the first half and the second half can be all about figuring out who we have in Malik Murphy and Arch Manning. And then maybe we do just rest our ones for, you know, the rest half of the third quarter and then the rest of the fourth quarter. If we're able to do that, I'll feel really good. But with this heat, I just, I I really would like for the starters to be out of the game midway through the third quarter, just kind of get their bodies 
a little bit of a head start of getting ready for Alabama. Like I said, that's going to be an incredibly uh, physical, physical game. So anything to get these starters kind of more prepped for the Alabama game is exactly what I want. And I'm excited to see, like I said, Malik versus Arch, who is going to win that quarterback two spot. I personally think it's going to be Malik. um, But the fact that Arch is kind of hanging around here after what we saw in the spring and even what Steve Sarkeesian said in the spring, to see that Arch Manning has taken such a step forward to where it's actually a question mark still of who's the quarterback to, I think is an incredible sign for Texas football, honestly, especially for the 2023 season. And especially when you think about Quinn Ewers and his injury history. So to have two guys kind of still battling it out for that quarterback two spot is really, really good news. Um, All right. Uh, That will do it for this week's episode. Like I said, I kind of wanted to keep this one short. I still owe you guys one more for the Big Bets podcast. That will be out um, either later on Friday or Saturday morning. So when you all wake up, cut your lawns, you know, do your chores for the morning. You can listen to that. That one's only going to be 15 to 20 minutes as well, depending on how many picks I put in. Um, but you can listen to that real quick right before that noon slate starts up and uh, get your picks in and hopefully hopefully we start off hot. If you enjoyed the podcast, learn something, or just want to support us at Texas Talk, please give us a rating on your podcast platform of choice and share us on your social networking site of choice. It's the best way to grow this brand. And uh, honestly, that's all I want. I want us to reach as many ears as possible right now. So thank you all for listening. And as always, hook them.